Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Tuesday, May 18th. Here's what we're watching today. McDonald's isn't the only company hiking wages to get workers back. Plus, how the pandemic has changed our fashion choices. But first, today's one big thing, state powers over abortion access. The Supreme Court yesterday agreed to take up a Mississippi case that could have huge repercussions for abortion access in the U.S. It will give the conservative majority court the chance to weigh, this fall, whether states should have the right to ban abortions before a fetus is viable outside the womb. Dr. Mary Ziegler is a legal historian and professor of law at Florida State University. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for having me. Mary, we talk so much about Roe versus Wade. How does this Mississippi case show the role of states in determining abortion access? So if, if you think about what Congress or the federal government has had to say about abortion, it's really very little, right? Congress passed, I think, three major laws on abortion really in recent history in the past 50 years or so. States pass that many significant abortion laws at times in a week or a month. And so really the, the sort of nerve center of efforts to challenge Roe v. Wade has been the states. Um, and that's been even more so after the Tea Party came to power in 2010. And it continues since Republicans retained control of a lot of state legislatures in 2020. And Mississippi's law is just the latest to remind us of that. People are going to be hearing the term viability when it comes to this specific case with Mississippi. Can you explain why that's so important? Well, viability, uh, in, in short, just means the point at which survival is, is possible outside the womb without significant morbidity. And ever since Roe v. Wade, viability was the point at which the state's interest in protecting fetal life became compelling, or in other words, the point at which states could ban abortions. So for the court to uphold Mississippi's law, the court would have to get rid of viability as that dividing line because Mississippi's law bans abortion at 15 weeks on the theory that fetal pain is possible at that point in pregnancy. Now, it's not at all clear that fetal pain is possible that early. The science on that is contested at best. But for now, what matters is that for the court to uphold Mississippi's law, it would have to change the viability standard because most scientists place viability At around 24 weeks, Mississippi's law prohibits abortion at 15 weeks, which is obviously much, much earlier. When you look across the landscape of the U.S. and states, what does it look like? Is it pretty evenly split with states that are restricting versus protecting the rights of abortion, or is it lopsided? It's a little lopsided. I think by most estimates, the Guttmacher Institute and others think that if Roe were overturned, roughly half the states would criminalize most abortions. There are a number in the remaining half of progressive states that would expand access to abortion and probably try to make abortion more readily available for people from out of state. And then there would be a group of states in the middle that would likely not criminalize all abortions, but would regulate abortion. And those states would become, of course, battlegrounds as the sort of swing states of abortion, if you will. 
where you would see uh, pro-choice and anti-abortion forces fighting it out to determine how available abortion would be in those jurisdictions. And that's especially important in kind of regional hotspots. That would be the places most easily reachable by people in areas where abortion would otherwise be unavailable, like the South or the Midwest. Is it preemptive to talk about Roe versus Wade being overturned at this point? No, not at all. I mean, I think it's certainly quite possible that the court could overturn Roe in this case. And if it doesn't, well, quite possible that the court will tee up the overruling of Roe for the near future. Dr. Mary Ziegler's latest book is called Abortion and the Law. She also teaches law at Florida State University. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in a moment with what some companies are doing to bring back hourly workers. Welcome back to Axios Today. Amazon, McDonald's, and Chipotle are three of the biggest hourly wage employers in the U.S., promising more pay to lure workers back as the country reopens this summer. Axios' Courtney Brown is here to explain what's going on with wages and labor right now. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning, Nyla. How are you? Good. Courtney, if these big companies are promising this, does that mean that many hourly workers might see higher salaries? Maybe. Maybe. One economist I spoke to said that a lot of the things that are causing this shortage in the in the labor market are temporary, right? So the idea that people may not be returning to work because they don't have someone to watch their kids. One factor anecdotally that we hear is that the souped-up unemployment benefits are keeping people at work. So those factors, they're pretty temporary. So when the economy opens back up, there very well may be a glut of workers. The economist I spoke to said that that might be a reason why companies hold back on doing things like offering permanent wage hikes. You mentioned unemployment benefits. That has become a political talking point. How's that playing out? It has. I think there's a fine line to walk. Is it a factor Maybe. Is it the factor? A lot of economists say no. But what's happening across the country, over a dozen states, Republican-led states have decided that they're going to pull out of the federal unemployment program, which means uh, residents won't get that extra money on top of the unemployment benefits. And what some states are doing instead is saying, hey, you won't get these souped up unemployment benefits, but hey, if you get a job, we'll, we'll pay you. They're calling it a return to work bonus. So once you get a job and work for a certain amount of weeks in places like Montana, the 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 state will give you a bonus for essentially becoming employed. Do you think it'll lead to long-term change for people who are working at the lower end of the wage spectrum? What this pandemic has done for hourly lower wage workers is maybe a lot of them have said, I don't really want to go back to those type of conditions. And I think companies understand that. So perhaps there will be some some movement from the the, the corporate giants of America to make working conditions a little bit better. Thanks, this is Courtney Brown. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks, Nyla. After more than a year at home, Americans are increasingly trading sweats for quote-unquote real clothes. I am not. My new favorite is a pair of fancy sweatpants that look like dress pants, so much so that I have fooled my coworkers. Axios' Kadia Goba has done some reporting on this. Hey, Kadia. Hi, thanks for having me. Kadia, how are Americans dressing differently now that we are thinking about going back to the office? 
So this is a very interesting time in that the industry is no longer dictating the trends, right? Customers are demanding pretty items. And those pretty items look like dresses, brighter dresses. Because as one retailer told me, while they want pretty items, they're still in their COVID bodies. So they want something a little stretchy, less fitting or formed, something something loose, but that makes them feel, again, pretty. Why does all of this matter? Well, it's just one more time where we see that this year-long stay-at-home or the pandemic is actually changing our everyday life, right? I talked to a handbag manufacturer who said she now has to create pockets outside of her bag because people want to carry their junk, meaning their their face masks or their uh, hand sanitizer. She's not really appreciative of it because she has to pay extra for those zippers and pockets outside and then translate that cost to the consumer. So it's very interesting. Like this thing is going to haunt us, for a lack of a better word, for a while now. Have your fashion choices changed? Oh, no. I am like Einstein. I have like four different outfits that are interchangeable. And that is kind of where I go. I don't even have a dresser. It's just like I'm simple. (laughs) Axios is Kadia Gova. Thank you, Kadia. Thanks for having me. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or find me directly on Twitter. And if you have some time to leave us a starred review on Apple, we would really appreciate it. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.